Well, thank you so much for letting me be here today. I appreciate your pastor. And you don't have any reason to know this, but I always pray quite a bit about where I go. And I love to go specifically to churches that are staying true to the Word. And even in the songs I noticed today, you're singing scriptural songs. And what a blessing it is to see that. I don't know that I've ever been to Batesville. It kind of, I've been so many places, but it, it struck me. I, I, I've not been at least doing a conference here. And um, this beautiful area, I had no idea. You had these beautiful rolling hills, that beautiful river that runs through here. And uh, so I'm excited to be with you. I'm especially excited because when a church has that commitment to the Word and to faithfulness to doctrine and truth, um, you're the hope of the country. So many churches today, unfortunately, have kind of compromised, uh, kind of shifted away. But God has His remnant. You're part of that remnant, and He is doing a mighty work. Now, uh, I always get asked this, and so I'll go ahead and answer it. With my last name, Frizzell, uh, people over 60 <laughs> ask me if I'm any kin to the famous old country music singer, Lefty Frizzell. Actually, we are related, not close, we're, we're cousins, but, but you can relax. I will not try to sing country music to you. Uh, if I did, you'd need prayer for your ears. We'll leave it there, okay? You know what I mean. But, uh, and left you'd roll over in his grave if I tried to sing. But I always get asked that. Uh, let me go ahead and ask you, how many of you in here can clearly, and I mean clearly, remember 1905? Let me see your hand. I'd be a little shocked if I got a hand, although they usually point at a guy. <laughs> but the, the reason I ask you that, that's the last time there's been anything in America that was really close to a nationwide revival. And even that wasn't a really, really big one. Uh, now, we've had some blessings for sure, 1950s, and even, now, even today, we've had some blessings. But in many ways, what we have witnessed the last 50 years has been the worst moral and spiritual and baptism collapse Really not a decline, it's a collapse, especially the morals, almost certainly the history of our country. Now, we've got churches everywhere. We've got strategies running out of our ears. We've got, we got different programs and education training. So how could that have happened? With all the good things we have, and they are blessings, how, how could this, this baptism slide happen and moral collapse happen? Well, there's an answer to it, and praise God there's hope. And even if the whole nation doesn't have a great awakening, a church sure can, an area sure can. And we're going to be talking this morning about how does God give us a turning point? Where you may have known him for a long time, and, and you know him well. I mean, he's done neat things in your life. But how do we see God really turn the power on, where you've had a renewal? And by the way, there's good news. That's happening around the world in some places. Um, and it's teenagers, it's <clears throat> senior adults, it's people in the middle. And some of these have known God a long time, but they've experienced a greater depth of prayer, a greater focus of prayer. And it's all grace. It's all the power of God, but there are principles that he's ordained. We're going to see this morning how to let God take our closeness in prayer a little higher. And what we're seeing is a lot of people are seeing more answers to prayer. I mean, real ones. We, we frankly, I mentioned in Sunday school, we're really in an epidemic right now of unanswered prayer, at least for many. Now, some are getting answers, but there are an awful lot of people praying for kids to turn around, grandkids, and, and they hadn't yet. awful lot of churches praying to grow, and they hadn't yet. An awful lot of people struggling with strongholds. And so, obviously, there's a need for a breakthrough. Well, our God's grace is greater than our weakness. And uh, if you will, take your Bible and turn to Jeremiah chapter 
29, and we're going to begin reading in verse 11. You'll recognize this passage. And I want to give you just a, a personal testimony. Th this message, Sunday school message, and this message are really personal to me. Um, I'm not a natural speaker for one thing. Uh, God has to certainly do that in me. Uh, but I had an illness in 94 called Lyme disease, and don't worry, you can't catch it by shaking my hand, okay? Um, but it devastated my neurological system, and they said, you're gonna, you can't preach anymore, and you're going to have to go on disability and all that. And I was about to, but the Lord began to work in my heart afresh, and he took me to the principle of deeper surrender to his lordship and tr greater trust in his grace. And the passage he spoke to me through, and, you know, I was begging God to heal me, and a lot of times he will. Uh, sometimes he says no. But I was begging God for healing, and he, he took me to 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Now, that's where Paul was begging God to remove his thorn, and it must have been a horrible thorn because Paul was tough, and God told him no. And the Lord, I didn't want to hear it, but the Lord told me no, so I'm not going to heal you. Now, he has helped me get a little better. But he said, if you'll walk in the principle I'm going, to, I'm going to show you, you'll have more power than you ever had when you, when you were strong. And you'll have more joy than you ever had when you didn't have a lot of pain. And folks, I sure have had my bad days, and I sure get times of discouragement, just like all of us. But I can say that God can, even though we're not perfect and we all have weaknesses, he can give us power and joy and strength, even in our weakness. And... Um, it's funny because that's over 3 million miles of, of conferences <laughs> since what that doctor told me in over 40 books, and I'm not even a writer. So God, God can use me, can use anybody, but only if we get a hold of the God-seeking, heart-yielding prayer life, not just prayer, but God-seeking, heart-yielding. Father, thank you that you've not lost your power. Thank you that your grace is greater than all of our sin and weakness. Thank you that your mercies are higher than the heavens, and Lord, none of us deserve anything. But, Lord, we trust you to give us a hunger to go deeper. Give us a hunger to know you and glorify you and let you flow through us, Lord, like a river. Oh, God, grant us that. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And everything I'm going to say, there's little books you can get for very little or nothing if you don't have the money with you um, that will help you walk in what we talk about with Scripture. Well, Jeremiah 29, 11, God was speaking to his people. Now, they were in trouble. They'd gotten compromised. They'd... they'd They'd gotten lax. They were saying a lot of prayers, and they were doing all the religious stuff, but they were not right with God. And so now they're in exile. They're in a foreign nation, and they're really in trouble. They were still his people, though. And listen to what God said to them. And if, you're, if you know him today, there's probably a lot of this to you as well. He says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. And their thoughts, and there's also the Hebrew word means plans. There's thoughts and plans of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Isn't it great news, even though they'd blown it and were under exile, God hadn't forgot them. And he's saying, I'm thinking about you, and I have a plan for you, and it's a good plan to give you peace and a future. They really weren't sure about their future. Some of us may be wondering about our future. Uh, but i got to ask you the question, since his word to us is that he has a plan for his people. If you know him today, he's got a plan for you. But what is that plan? What was the main thing he was saying to them and, and to us this morning? Well, now some will say, well, his plan is to bless you. And, and that's good. That's a good prayer. Um, some will say, well, his plan is to heal you. A lot of times he will. But if he doesn't, he'll give you grace and take you to heaven. Uh, some say, well, his plan is to make you successful. 
It is, but it might be different than just money stuff. It's, it's about knowing him. But folks, the truth is his plan is a lot better than just blessing, healing, and success. So what could be better than that? Well, uh, we're going to come back to this verse, but I'm going to give you a sister verse. Uh, his plan for us, John 17, 3, and if you want to turn there, or I think they're going to put it on the screen, John 17, 3, Jesus said, this is eternal life. That's a big statement, because eternal life is about now and it's about forever. He says, this is eternal life. In other words, this is what it's really all about. And notice what he said. It's that you may really know God and Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. Now listen, he's saying it's not just about religion. It's not just about believing certain things, though that's important. He's saying it's about a relationship with God that is real, that is personal. In fact, in the Greek text, that word used for, for no there is the same word used in marriage. He's saying, now he's not talking about physical intimacy, but he's saying, look, I want to be so real to you and powerful in you that my voice is clearer than your husband, wife, or best friend. He's talking about a, a real relationship, uh, not just religion or just going to church some. In fact, I love what Jesus said in John 738, he said, this is what it means if you believe on me. He said, there will be, I think I've got it right, a little trickle of living water flowing out of your heart every now and then. Is that what he said? <laughs> no. He said, if you believe in me, and that means you really trust him, don't just believe there's a God, you really trust him, and you walk with him, he said, there will be rivers of living water gushing continuously out of the innermost being. He said, well, what's living water? That's his spirit. That's his presence. That's his word. He's saying, I will be so real to you that th there will be power. There will be supernatural joy, even though you have pain. Um, God will be doing things that only God can explain. It's all by his grace, but he's ordained to work by certain principles. So he's saying in Jeremiah to his people, I have a plan for you, and it's a good plan. <clears throat> We're going to see in a moment he ampl amplifies that truth. It's about knowing him close and personal. Well, look with me, if you will, back to Jeremiah 29, verse 12. And look what he said to them and really what he's saying to us, if, if you know him this morning. He said, then you will call upon me and you will go and pray to me. And he says, I will listen to you. Isn't that great news? God wants to hear your prayers. God is not stingy and he's not weak. Hadn't <laughs> lost his power. He can still work miracles and move mountains. He said, but notice that. He said, then you will call upon me. Now, what was he saying to them? Well, there was a time factor here. Uh, they were in exile, and they had some false prophets telling them, oh, you're going to get out of exile real quick. That was not, they were not telling them the truth. So there was a time factor. For them, it was 70 years, but I can almost promise you, the Lord wants to do a fresh new work in our hearts a lot closer than 70 years, probably even today. But there was not just a time factor. There was a way they were praying factor. Now, look, look back at this, this verse. Because I want you to understand something. These people were already praying their heads off. Oh, Lord, don't let us stay in exile. Oh, Lord, don't let them kill us. <laughs> oh, Lord, uh, fix our economy. They're praying for uh, things like that. Uh, they, and, and folks, before they even went into exile, they were doing their prayers. They were saying a lot of prayers. They were going through their religious rituals. But their hearts had been compromised. There were things in their life they were ignoring that were... They were displeasing God, and their prayers had become shallow and just kind of bless us stuff. And so 
But notice what he said, then you will call upon me and pray to me. Now, th those words in the Hebrew are strong. He's saying, you're going you're gonna to cry out to me. You're going to seek me in a, in a very powerful fashion. And he said, then I will listen to you. So there was a time factor for them, probably not so much for us, but there was a, a fervency factor. There was a way they prayed factor. In other words, look, look at this illustration. He was, they, they were kind of praying here, but he said, there's going to come a time when you're praying here and I'm going to be all over you. I'm going to hear your prayers. I'm going to move a mighty, in a mighty way. There's a powerful truth. We will never know more of God than our prayers are seeking his face. If we're just seeking his hand of blessing, but not his face, we're going to kind of stay a little bit in the, the, the lower rims. Now look at verse 13. He explains verse 12. He explains how he wants us to pray. He said, and you will seek me. And, and folks, that, that word seek is a little stronger than just asking prayer. That's, that's fervent, serious. You will seek. Now notice what they were to pray about. You will seek what? Your blessings, right? No. <laughs> you will seek your mountain to move, right? No. Notice what he said about their prayer life. He said, you will seek what? Me. He's saying, your focus will be knowing me surrendering to me, the relationship with me. You, you will seek me, and you will find what? Your, your goodies, those things you want? No, you might. That's good to pray for big things. But he's saying it's really about finding me in a whole new way. Now, folks, did, did they not know him? They were still his people. They were his people. But he's saying when, when your prayer life is about knowing me, seeking me, surrendering to me in a whole new way, rather than just getting a blessing, he's saying then you're going to find me in a whole new way. I love that. But notice what he says in the last part. When you search for me, how? A little bit on the run, right? No. He said when you search for me with all your heart. We talked last night about James 5.16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous or yielded heart has great power. That also means the ineffective casual prayer of an unyielded heart avails little. So the Lord was saying to his people, I want your prayers to be about relationship with me, surrender to me, knowing me, not just to me get you out of your problem, okay? In, in a way, he was saying, my children, I love you, but I'm not a J.C. Penney catalog. <laughs> he was saying, my children, I love you, but in truth, they were indeed seeking his hand in their prayer life a lot more than his face. You know, God bless us, God heal us, God fix us, and those are good prayers, but better prayers are God help me surrender everything, even my secret thoughts. God, help me know you as you are and glorify your holy name. Now, the, the, the question is, okay, how do we do this? How do we in our busy lives, and we're all imperfect, how, how do we have that kind of God-seeking, heart-yielding prayer life? Well, I love James 4.8 because it gives us the answer. It's kind of a sister truth. James 4.8 in, in the New Testament, if you'll turn there, or I think they're going to put it up on screen. James 4.8, and it's a promise, another promise. Oh, our God is such a a promise-giving God. He said, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Now, remember, they already knew him, but he's saying, you'll find me in a whole new way. Isn't it awesome to think you might know God a few weeks and months from now in a whole new way? 
Folks, if we think we're so spiritual that we just can't grow all that much, we've got the worst problem of all. It's arrogance and pride <laughs> and foolishness, frankly. So, um, but, but the truth is we'll never grow them more than we're hungry to grow. Uh, old Manly Beasley used to make a statement. I, it always stuck with me. He said, son, you'll, never, you'll have about as much of God as you really want. <laughs> and that's what he's saying, seek me. How do you seek him? James 4, 8 tells us, look at the passage. He says, draw near to God, and that's a choice you have to make. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's a promise. But how do you draw near to God? Look what it says. Cleanse your hand, sinners, and that's all of us. Now, folks, this is not about getting saved again. Once we're saved, born again by his grace, we're forgiven in terms of being able to stand before him. He's never going to condemn us, send us to hell. But this ongoing cleansing is about the fellowship. And it's about the fullness of him to, to flow through us. So he said, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And here's how you do it. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and that's all of us. And he says, purify your hearts, you that are double-minded. He's saying, I want the sins of the action, the thoughts, the eyes. He says, I want the sins of the heart, the unclean thoughts, or the pride, or the, the lukewarmness. He's saying, I want it all. Okay, how do we do this? How do we get a hold of this, this truth? And how do we seek God with all our heart? Well, you know, I love the disciples for so many reasons, but for one, God tells the truth about them. He showed how they failed. That, that, that gives me a little encouragement <laughs> that you, you cannot be perfect and God can still use you. But the disciples weren't perfect, especially in the early days. And um, they watched Jesus live. They watched him walk across the water. They watched him still storms. They watched him open blind eyes and even raise the dead. And isn't it interesting, they didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach. Or, Lord, teach us, give us a water walking class. <laughs> you, you remember what they said in Matthew 6 and Luke? Lord, teach us to pray. Now, again, these guys were praying some. It wasn't they weren't praying at all if they knew, had any relationship with God. But they realized he prayed different. They, they saw Jesus constantly going off to get along with the Father to pray. That was his example. That was his pattern. And they realized we don't have a handle on prayer like that. And uh, so one day he, they came back, he came back to them and they, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And you remember what he said, I, you probably can quote it in Matthew 6, verse 9 and following. He said, well, don't be like the Pharisees praying out there loud and long and fancy prayers to be seen of men. He said, that won't get you anywhere. Uh, he said, he gave him a, a command. He said, when you pray, he said, go into your closet and shut the door. That was significant. <laughs> and shut the door and seek the, the Lord in, in, in private, and he will hear you. And then he gave them the Lord's Prayer, those different elements, you know, the, the praise, the adoration, the seeking this kingdom, the, the, the asking for things, the cleansing. But, but it was not just a little one. It was not just asking for stuff. Well, if you've ever wondered, are we to have a real quiet time, that verse kind of answers it in Matthew 6, where he says, shut the door and go in your closet. Now, um, for us, the, the, shut the door and go in the closet would be turn the cell phone off. <laughs> it would be get alone with God. It would be turn the bells and whistles off so we can really listen. And, um, you know, one of our biggest challenges in America for intimacy with God and the fullness of the power of God is our busyness. We really are the busiest society. South Korea is about like us. <laughs> but, um, you know, we got instant everything. And, uh, 
And a lot of that's good. We did, did you know we invented instant coffee? We invented it. And instant instant tea, we invented that. Um, instant banking, we invented that. Um, instant weddings out in Las Vegas. I don't know how good that is, but we invented stuff like that. Well, folks, we've even got instant yogurt now. Can you imagine being so lazy? Don't ask me to spoon yogurt, just let me drink it. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that stuff except maybe the wedding stuff, but... Uh, but sadly, about 50 years ago, about 50, 60 years ago, as busy, instant-minded Americans, we really tried to invent instant quiet times. You know, no must, no fuss, read one verse, read a little paragraph, say a prayer, and you are done. And again, by all means, keep doing that. Those little devotions are great, but they're not designed to be all we need. And when Jesus gave that Lord's Prayer, there was about four or five elements of prayer in that. And they're commands. They're not instructions. And so what's happened to many precious believers is that their time with the Lord has gotten so rushed or, you know, or we'll read the Word and, and, and that's all. Now, that's great to read the Word, but the prayer part gets really surface and especially the cleansing and yielding part. Now, back to what James said. Um, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. Um, studies show that the holiness of God in, in believers' minds today, and it may not have happened to any of you, but that with many, that he's almost a little bit like a grandfather, a little bit like just my pal, just Santa Claus. And folks, he's holy God. The early church understood that. Um, in the Great Awakenings, they understood that. And so the cleansing times are far more than the little 15-second pause. You say, what do you mean? Well, surveys revealed that in many believers' quiet times, the prayer time, the cleansing part, you know, the search my heart part and all that, has, has gotten to be kind of like this. Lord, is there anything in my life I need to deal with? I didn't think so. Here's my prayer list. Or, Lord, would you search my heart? And Lord, you have 15 seconds. Now, we would never say that, but studies show that is exactly what is happening in many believers' prayer lives. And so for most, the key will be taking that little extra time, five or ten minutes, letting His Word look into those five, maybe seven areas of your life and say, hey, that's seven areas. I couldn't do that if you just did one a day. <laughs> five or ten minutes a day, letting Him look into your thoughts. Your attitudes, your words, your relationships, any actions or omissions, that is pressing toward the mark. That is, oh Lord, search my heart. That's beyond the 15-second pause, and that gets real. And it may not take long, but folks, if that's absent from our life, it could only mean one of two things. It could mean that we just don't think we need it, <laughs> that we've grown beyond that. And I hate, if, that's, if you think that, I, I need to shake your hand, boy. You're beyond Paul. You're beyond the, <laughs> we haven't grown beyond that. And so, folks, that is the biggest single thing that hinders the full flow of God's grace and presence in our life is the quickness in prayer and the shallowness of surrender. And, and to seek God, he said, if you love me, you do what? You obey me. If you draw near to me, you do what? It's by cleansing because he's holy. Now, and again, it's not to earn his love. He couldn't love us more than he loves us right now. And you're not going to earn an answer to prayer by doing, spending a little more time or, or going deeper. You're not going to earn it. If you approach it that way, that's legalism. But if you approach it as a love relationship, the commandments of God are not grievous. People should never say, well, I don't want to let God search my heart. It might make me feel bad. No, I want him to 
so he transformed me in Christ's image. Let me give you two examples. Uh, that's what God dealt with me again. When, he, when I was 16, he dealt with me about that principle of surrender each day, or at least try to, and certainly I'm not perfect at it. And it changed my life. It enabled me to preach. It enabled me to begin to, to let him use me. And in 94, I told you about getting the Lyme's disease, and I just really lost my physical strength and all that. And uh, he, he took me back to this passage. I want you to go deeper. And the Lord's, in this book, the Lord gave me some things that can help you go deeper in your surrender. And it gave me the power. But I'm going to tell you about my church in Memphis. It was really in a, a gang area. And people were moving out as fast as they could. And the church had been in a big, horrible legal battle before I went. And I, I, God called me to go. And for five solid years, it was on TV with the worst horrible stories you've ever heard. I mean, the church was dying. And, but the Lord, there was a group of people in the church that the Lord helped them commit to give a little more time in prayer with deeper surrender using the scriptures that would search all your heart. And over several weeks, those people's lives totally changed. It wasn't a majority. It's probably about 5%, 10%. But it was astounding how they grew. And they'd been through all the discipleship programs because they were good people. But they grew like, like they were on a rocket. And God got so much more real to them. Let me give you two examples. Um, there was a, a lady, a Sunday school teacher named Addie. And she was a middle-aged lady, a nice lady, but taught school, school a long time. But she had a son named Darren that was raised in church and... Uh, he started struggling, and when he got about 16, he began to kind of not want to go to church, and he got kind of wild and was hanging around with the wrong people, and Addie was uh, praying for Darren. She had a quiet time. She was praying for Darren, but he was getting worse. He just kept getting worse, and, um, and then and she got really worried about him. He was really getting about to wreck his life, and she heard what I'm sharing with you today, and it dawned on her that my prayer life is mostly a little devotion. My prayer life is not really letting him search my heart, and it dawned on her I don't know how to really pray for my son in a way that is beyond just God touch him, God bless him. And he had strongholds in his life. And um, so she, one Sunday on, in 1989, we asked people to walk the out, we said they wanted to, and make a commitment to God to give God a little more time in prayer and to let his word search every corner of their life and to ask God to help them pray in power uh, and, and literally see mountains move in people's lives. And they made that commitment to seek God that way, to seek God with all their heart in total surrender. And, and that's going to be a lifestyle. We'll never outgrow that. Addie was one of those people. And she made that commitment. She started letting God work through her heart with those scriptures. And the first week, and, and there was a man named Larry. Let me give you his story too. And Larry was a tough guy. I mean, he was a bodybuilder and he... Uh, but he'd been saved about two years, and, and he didn't have much of a quiet time, though. But he heard what I just shared with you about a little more time, deeper cleansing, and praying power. And oh, Larry started doing that. And he got such a burden for his lost friend at work. Um, there was a guy named Bill he worked with, and, and Bill was a, man, he was a drug dealer. He was violent. People were scared of Bill. He, some said he was the meanest man in North Memphis, and that's, and that's mean. <laughs> and, but Larry got to praying for that guy, and he was praying with power and claiming promises. His prayers had gotten stronger. And he, most of all, he had a burden for that lost guy. Folks, it really grieves God when we don't have a burden for our neighbors, when we don't have a burden for the people we work with. But Larry got it. He got that burden. He was praying like he'd never prayed in his life. Well, as they started praying through those scriptures in their quiet time, the cleansing scriptures, 
the first week, Addie came back down to the altar, and she said, God has shown me five things this week. <laughs> she said, there were people I said I'd forgive, and I really hadn't. And she said, there were some TV programs he told me to turn off. They weren't horrible, but they were grieving the spirit. And she said, there was a couple people God told me I had to ask them to forgive me because I'd, I'd ignore that. And, and she smiled, and she said, isn't it wonderful that his cleansing is not to condemn you? It's to transform you. And I'd been sharing that with him, and she, she said, that's real. <laughs> when you just give him a chance, he'll, he'll cleanse to change you. And this went on for about seven weeks, and because it took about seven or eight weeks to pray through those scriptures, a little, little bit a day. And uh, man, old Larry was changing. He was starting to give a testimony. I'm getting victory over my wrong thoughts. And, and, he, and he said, Greg, my prayers are changing. And God has given me some promises to pray for Bill. And I'm, Greg, I'm praying with faith like I've never had. Uh, it's just amazing how some people are changing. And then I saw Addie's face change in, in the prayer meeting. Uh, about seven, eight weeks, she said, what do you mean her face changed in the prayer meeting? Well, for about three years, she'd stand up and beg us to pray for Darren, and she'd start crying because Darren was steadily getting worse. Folks, it's important to understand it's possible that we're praying here when the battle's really here. It's possible we're stuck kind of in a little God bless them devotional prayer when the effective, fervent prayer of a yielded heart with real faith, God-given faith, is here. Much of what we're praying now today is here, folks. The battles we're in, the strongholds people have, a little God bless them, probably not going to fix it. Addie stood up in that prayer meeting about seven weeks, and she, was, she wasn't sad. She wasn't crying. She, she was full of joy. I mean, she just glowing. And she said, y'all keep praying for Darren, but God is going to touch my son. And folks, the problem was he was worse than ever. <laughs> and so I went to her after the service, kind of gently, and I said, uh, Addie, have you, uh, have you seen Darren lately? <laughs> and she said, oh, yeah, I've seen him. I said, why are you so happy? Please listen to what she said. She said, Greg, seven or eight, eight weeks ago, I was saying prayers, but she said, there were really things in my heart I, I'd ignored. There were things that I wasn't letting God deal with. And, and she said, I'm sure not perfect, none of us are, but she said, he's, he's shown me several things, and Brother Greg, he is just so much more real to me now. She said, I'd kind of lost my joy. I was kind of just going through the motion. She said, I, I have real peace and joy now. And she said, I've gotten a passion for, to pray for lost people that like I've never had. But she said, Greg, with my son, she said, two weeks ago in my quiet time, God gave me two promises from Scripture for my son. She said, Greg, I'm able to really pray in faith for my son. And she said, he's going to be saved, Brother Greg. And Brother Greg, I believe the Lord showed me he's going to be a minister. I thought, that's great, Addie. I thought, well, that's going to be a Red Sea miracle. I thought, but please listen. Do you see what's happened? She'd known the Lord for 30 years, but her prayers had gone from here, which weren't bad. She was seeing some prayers answered, but she was now God-seeking heart-yielding, effective, fervent prayer of a yielded heart, and she was trusting God. She was praying with God-given faith, not name and claim it stuff, which is a little far out, but she was praying with God-given faith. Folks, that makes a big difference. I wish it didn't, but it does. <laughs> I wish I could tell you any old prayer will do. They're all the same. No, they're not. No, they're not. Well, Larry was doing the same thing. Man, his prayers were strengthening, and folks, most amazing thing, about a month later, one Sunday morning, 
Bill, Larry's friend, showed up at church. People were actually scared of him. They were, look, what, what's he doing here? Is he going to try to rob us? I mean, it, it was, and, and he sat on the back row back there, and I never hardly saw his face. He, he wouldn't look at you. He just sat there with his head bowed. He had long hair, and old Larry sitting there praying. This old, this old guy never had much of a quiet time, but now he does. And uh, as I preached the Word of God, you could, you could tell God was moving and he kept coming, and about a month after he came, one Sunday morning, he finally raised his face up and looked at me from the back of the church, and there were tears streaming down his face. God's Spirit was all over him. That man ran down that aisle. He gave his heart to Jesus Christ, folks. He, he, he was totally changed. He became one of the greatest witnesses I've ever seen in my life. You could look at his face. He just glowed the love of Jesus Christ, and it, it was the prayer. Folks, that's God's plan A. And we can do all the things we want to do, but if, if this is missing, uh, it, what a, it leaves our children vulnerable. It leaves our neighbors vulnerable. And back to Addie, um, sure enough, about a month or six weeks after she said that in the prayer meeting, uh, Darren showed up at, at, at my church about 10 o'clock one night. And in Memphis, you didn't go to the door at 10 o'clock. He'd be a gang member. <laughs> I, but I heard that buzzer, and I said, oh, man, who is that? I got kind of scared, you know, and I, I got where I could see, and it was Darren out there. And folks, he looked awful. He was pacing back and forth. His hair was all messed up. I thought, man, he's, he's strung out on drugs. He is really messed up. And uh, I kind of dreaded it. Cause I, and I went to the door and said, Darren, what is it? And, and boy, he, just, he was wild. He, he ran toward me and he almost ran over me. He ran down to the office. I thought, yeah, he is really strung out. And he ran down to my office. And folks, he was in my office just pacing back and forth like, just like an animal. He was just pacing. He kept saying, I can't stand this. I can't stand this. I can't stand this. I said, Darren, what's the matter with you? And he said, I just can't stand it. I said, slow down. Tell me. What can't you stand? What's wrong with you? He looked at me with a puzzled look. He said, I don't know what's wrong with me. But for about the last six weeks, all I can think about is giving my whole life to Jesus Christ. He said, I'm not enjoying this stuff I'm in anymore. It was the power. Folks, God can still pour out His Spirit. But this is His plan A, and it's not a plan B. It's, it's intense, united prayer. And especially, there were some people in the church that were praying together as husbands and wives, and there's awesome power in that. And, and so, folks... Darren didn't even need me. He just knelt on the floor that night and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And when he got up, I was looking at a new creature. Man, his face, his eyes were different. Sunday morning, he ran down that aisle and told the church what had happened. Church couldn't hardly believe it. Addie could believe it. Folks, this is where we are. To see our churches really grow, to see people really saved in even greater numbers, to see our discipleship really be real and on fire and not just intellectual things but heart things. It'll come down to our quiet times. It'll come down to God-seeking, heart-yielding quiet times and praying together some. And the early church was full of that. In every great awakening, they were full of that. And to the degree we're not, we'll be in first or second gear. But aren't you glad it's not out of reach? It's not. You've got to spend three hours. You've got to go through 50,000 scriptures. No, it's a grace thing. But we do have to show up. We do have to embrace it. I want to move this toward a conclusion. Uh, and, and this little book uh, is designed to show you exactly how to have a quiet time that has that in it, that God-seeking, heart-yielding, kingdom focus in it. And you can use this one over and over. It's mostly not my words. It's just Scripture that, that you can search your heart a little bit each day uh, after you've read the Bible, of course. And this one is about how husbands and wives 
or friends can pray together and bind together to pray for a friend or a, a loved one or a marriage or a, a grandchild. And uh, always saw so many of that. Uh, I shared with a group last night, our church, we had a list of 60 lost people we've been praying for for a long time, and hardly any of them had been saved. But when the people changed their quiet times over a period of, of several weeks, and they began to pray with greater power, began to pray with greater faith that God gave them, uh, about 45 of, of the, 45, 46 of, is, is in one of those numbers, I baptized them within a, less than a year, about nine, six to nine months. And it was all because of the prayer. Now, again, I, that, that doesn't always happen like that. And, and if you prayed a long time and your child hadn't been saved, I'm not saying, well, it's because of your prayers. No, it really may not be. <laughs> because it, often prayers take years. And so don't in any way be condemned about it. But on the other hand, is God calling you maybe to go to a little higher level? Um, I am with this question. Do you have a Darren? Do you have a Darren? Do you have a child, a grandchild? Do you have a friend at school? Do you have a, a spouse that they're really in trouble? They're either lost or they're not walking with God? And, and do, you have a, uh, do you have a bill? Has God given you somebody at work some, somebody at school. You know what? If we have to honestly say, well, no, I don't have anybody besides my family, that really needs to change. Because if we're full of Jesus, there is no way we're not going to have a burden for those people around us. But if you have a Darren, and most of us do, don't be ashamed of it. Your Darren might be a, a girl. It might be whatever. But, but here's the real question. Now, please listen closely. Does your Darren have an Addie yet? where you've made a covenant like she did on that Sunday morning to say, God, I'm going to spend a little more time with you in your word and prayer. And God, I'm going to let you search every corner of my heart down to my secret thoughts and motives. <laughs> and Lord, I ask you to help me pray in a way that is the effective, fervent prayer of a yielded heart that has great power. And she said, Greg, I'm not going to stop till my son's safe. She got desperate. And it may take years, but folks, I have seen many people within six months when they pray like that, see some breakthroughs, because God hadn't lost his power, but he's not a J.C. Penney catalog. And so this morning, has God said something to you? For, a lot of people tell me, Greg, I've gotten just a, too big of a hurry. You know, I can't help but believe Martha in the Bible was one of the first Southern Baptists. Yeah, yeah. You remember her story? Uh, everybody was in there listening to Jesus, and she was going to be sacrificing and let it let them enjoy it and after a while she just flat got mad she got in the flesh because we because we know what she did she went in there where jesus was teaching and folks she didn't whisper this in his ear it made the bible everybody heard her and this is exactly what she said to the son of god do you not care that my sister has left me in there to do all that work by myself tell her to get in there and help me that, that's that's what she said <laughs> I don't know how she said it. I don't know if she had a hand on her hip. But you know what? You'd almost have to to say that. <laughs> and I'm glad he's merciful. But you, but you remember what he said to her? And he's saying it to us. See, she thought she was serving God. I'm going to do all these other things. I'm going to be busy. I'm going to help people. And he said, Mary, he said, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. But Mary has chosen the greater part 
and it shall not be taken from. What was he saying? He wasn't saying we don't need to work and sacrifice, but he was saying the first thing in our lives is to spend time with Jesus, real time, surrendered time. And we can do all the things for God and for people we want to do in the world, but we'll be doing them mostly in our own strength. And that doesn't help much. <laughs> so this morning, would you be willing to say, God, I want to give you more time if you need to. You may not need to. It may not be what he's telling you. Uh, Lord, I want to give you more surrendered time where I'm letting you really go through my heart like a fine-tooth comb. And Lord, help me pray in power. Help me pray the effective, fervent prayer of a yielded heart that has much power. Father, we praise you that you've called us for so much more than just go to heaven someday. So much more than just get a little blessings and see some answers to prayer for ourselves. Lord, you've called us to really know you and hear your word. And Lord, to draw near to you and to shut the door. And Lord, you've called us to pray in power. And you said you'd answer if we sought you that way. And so, Lord, we're crying out to forgive us when we become Martha's and didn't mean to. We're sincere, but, Lord, we're putting everything else ahead of the quality time with you, the surrendered time. Oh, God, I pray for many that do have burdens about loved ones. They'll understand this is the greatest thing we can do for them. Lord, many of us may need to do what Addie did. She, that, I'll never forget how she just knelt that day and, symbolically laid Darren on the altar and said, I'm not quitting until he's saved. And old Larry made that same commitment. And Lord, many people in my church that day, thank you that they made that commitment and we changed. Oh God, I pray for everyone here that if we need to, that we will make a commitment to give you a little more time and deeper surrender with your word. And Lord, to pray in the way that you've called us to pray, move mountains and tear down strongholds and see loved ones and neighbors saved. Oh God, save us from just doing church and just reading the typical things without the prayer. Lord, thank, give these people hope that in a few weeks and months, they could know you in a whole new way. Lord, that there could be a far greater release of your power, whatever that would look like in each life. But, oh, God, help us settle for nothing less than seeking you with all our heart, not just your blessings or comforts, but you, oh, God, in holiness and surrender. And, Lord, help everyone here know they can do this. This is not out of reach. It's not that complicated. Oh, God, encourage people, but help them know it's urgent. So, Father, water these words. Help us rededicate our life to seek your face and to glorify your name. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, indeed, I've spoken mostly about prayer, mostly to believers, of course. And uh, if you're here today and you say, I don't know that I've been born again. I don't know I'm God's child. The pastor will be delighted to talk with you, pray with you. Um, we're, we're just going to have a, a very uh, low-key invitation. This is a prayer time. And we're just going to have the instrumentalist playing. This, but this is a prayer time. And uh, if you need to come down here and spend a moment with God, lay somebody on the altar, or if you need to pray with your pastor, he'll be here. Or you can pray right there where you are also. But I'm going to ask right now, folks, could we simply stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed? All of us just standing, heads bowed, eyes closed. I just they don't let your mind wander right now. What's God said to you this morning? Right now, would you be willing to say, God, I'm going to give you a little more time. And God, I'm going to let you search my heart with those scriptures. 
all the way down to my secret thoughts. And Lord, I'm committing to make a covenant to pray for my neighbors, to pray for my loved ones, to pray for my church, for your kingdom, for your glory, in a way that I haven't prayed to go, to go deeper. And he'll help you do that. Now, while the instrumentalist softly play, and you just continue there in the spirit of prayer, your pastor's here. If you need to pray with him, if you need to rededicate your life, or any decision you need to make, he's here. The altar's open. If you want to spend a moment at this altar, nobody's looking around. It's not a show. But whatever you need to do right now, do business with God. Make your commitment. It's all His grace. We can't do it without Him. But right now, make those commitments. He loves you. Things can be different. Mountains can move. Strongholds can come down, but only if we use the weapons. The fervent prayer, the scripture prayer, from a clean heart. Maybe that stronghold in your own life, the anger, the fear, unclean thoughts, they can't stand against that kind of prayer. Right now, between you and God, make that commitment. I mean, seven o'clock earlier. I mean, taking these scriptures I provide for you and really praying through them. Whatever it is, he said it. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. You draw near to me with real cleansing and yielding, I'll draw near to you. And he's worth it. And it's all about his glory. It's all about his kingdom. It's not for us, it's for him. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he's called us to know him. And pray in power. And be filled with living water. But He won't make us. We must choose it. We must embrace it. You take five good steps toward God, He'll usually take about ten toward you. Father, thank You so much for Your grace, for Your call to us, and for the that you've equipped us to seek you with all our heart and to pray in the effective, fervent power. In Jesus' name, dear pastor, I turn this time to you.